You're listening to the New Mamas Podcast. Hey, everyone, it's your host, Lena Forstel. And today we're going to be talking all about anxiety. Yay, our favorite topic. We have Amber Trueblood on with us today. Yes, that's her real last name. That was the first thing I asked her. It's probably rude to ask someone if that's your real last name, but it's just so badass. Like, how could I not ask? Amber is a mom of four, a licensed marriage and family therapist, and best-selling author. She's also a lot of other amazing things, but I'll let her introduce anything else that I may have missed. Amber, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Lena. I, I'm excited to talk about this. And I, you know, should, should I jump into like what kind of anxiety we're talking about here? Yeah. Well, first of all, where are you okay. based out of? I'm based out of San Diego, North County, San Diego. Cool. We got our California gal on here. We have a lot, actually, a lot of San Diego people on the pod. Oh, That's really? So funny. Yeah. Let's jump in and define the anxiety that we're going to be talking about today because. It's such a spectrum. And on social media, where a lot of us live these days, TikTok and Instagram, anxiety gets referenced a lot. And I think there is a lot of misconceptions around what is generalized anxiety disorder and then what right. is just feeling that, huh, huh, huh. Right. So help us define how we're going to be referencing anxiety in this podcast today. Yeah, I appreciate that. And this is going to be a theme for anything I talk about, which is everybody is different. Every single, even people with diagnosed general anxiety disorder is going to look different person to person. And even people with mild anxiety might for years just kind of have an ebb and flow with mild levels of anxiety and worry. And then it might, you know, pop up and like amplify for a couple of weeks or a couple of months and then go back down. So like depending on you individually and depending on this time in your life, it's going to differ. And so one of the things I like to talk about at the beginning of any any time I'm talking about my book is anxiety is, is not one size fits all. It looks different in everybody. It's triggered by different types of situations in everybody. The symptoms that show up when you feel particularly anxious are going to look very different. And because of that, the strategies that are going to be most useful to you to manage and reduce and maneuver through it are going to also be different. And that's kind of where the framework for my book and what I'm talking about a lot these days kind of is, is poised around that fact that it looks different for everybody. And so here is one framework for looking at it that can help us say, oh, this is kind of, this sounds more like my anxiety over here. So these are the strategies that might, that I might like call upon first, you know? And so I have like five different anxiety styles that I talk about. I do want to say though, this is not like, you know, I'm going to talk about a book and I'm going to talk about a lot of like practical strategies, things you could do in the moment and preventative strategies. This is not like take the place for your medication or for seeing a physician about it, or if you're feeling like you cannot function or you're not sleeping, or this is, you know, causing major, you know, mental, emotional, or physical problems in your life then, you know, please, like this is not a replacement for medical care. And you can never, I think, be too cautious with it. Like if you're not sure, if you're like, well, I don't know how serious my anxiety is, go talk to professionals, talk to people you trust who have been through this, you know, and have kind of not come out the other side, but have maneuvered through this for a while. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And like you said, with the dial being turned up or turned down in certain cases, I know a lot of the mom's 
listening, a lot of them may have dealt with anxiety their whole life. However, when they become new moms and that postpartum anxiety kicks Mm -hmm. in, it's like an anxiety that they've never experienced before ever myself included. So Mm -hmm. thank you for defining that. And yes, this podcast and Amber's book is not a replacement for therapy or medication. Mamas, we got to do all the things. Okay. We got to do all the things, not just one thing. You can't like, yeah, my, my uh, psychiatrist, I remember when I went to her before I got on medication, I was like, I, I've been meditating for a year. I've been doing yoga. I've been doing talk therapy. Like it just won't go away. And I'm confused. Am I broken? And if it's a chemical imbalance, which it was, she's just said, you can't meditate away your chemical imbalance. However, books like yours are really helpful because it gives us the tools to call upon when we Mm -hmm. are in those situations. Because again, all the things matter, like all the tools in the toolbox matter. They all help. Yeah, they really do. They really do all help. And I think that when you, when you have all of them together and, and you're doing preventative things that help, like even the meditation helps a little bit, then you have a little bit more clarity of what, you know, oh, wait, I do need to make another appointment. Like this is, you know, you can kind of think more clearly. One of the things, Lena, too, that whenever I'm talking to communities with new moms, I say, you know, whole added level that you have to deal with is, you know, is your basic physiological processes have been interrupted. Sleep, you know, it's like literally torture. It's a torture device that they use in war, right? That's like not cool. It's so awful, sleep deprivation. And um, so, you know, not eating right, not sleeping right. And with new moms, imagine this, you know, when you're pregnant, taking care of yourself equals taking care of the baby inside you, right? How you eat, how you rest, how you keep yourself calm, getting outside, getting fresh air, all of those things, right? Right you know, taking care of you automatically equals you're taking care of the baby. And then all of a sudden the baby is outside of your body. And when the baby's eating, you can't necessarily eat uh, the most healthy things, right? The baby's eating the most healthy things. You're not necessarily eating the most healthy things. You're eating what's available, what's within reach, (laughs) what's, what's like, you know, just barely whatever is edible lots of times. Okay. I'm generalizing, but you know, your needs, satiating your needs don't automatically represent satiating your baby's needs. In fact, often they're at odds, right? Okay. Well, do I get sleep or do the baby, does the baby get sleep? Do I eat well or does the baby eat well? Do I get to get outside? I mean, sometimes you can get outside together. So that's great. But it's all of a sudden the path has split, you know, and then you have to choose, right? And you're not going to choose like, okay, well, I'm, you know, you're, you just spent a long time maybe making this baby. So, or if it was adoption or anything like that's a heck of a lot of work too. I went through adoption proceedings before I, I got pregnant with um, my first. And so, you know, there's a lot of work involved. So you're not going to be like, oh, screw them. You know, they need you to survive. So of course you're going to pick the baby's needs first, which means chances are you're not getting enough sleep. You're not eating well. You're I mean, that's just like on top of all the hormonal irregularities that can happen, you know, postpartum. So you're experiencing a whole additional host of factors that I think, you know, that when I talk about anxiety with new moms, it's it's going to be a little bit different than talking about anxiety with moms of teens, because the first thing I'm going to say is, how can we get you better sleep, right? How can we get you more support? How can we help you feel not so emotionally isolated? 
how can we make sure that you're eating? Like what have we had a, a hormone panel done? Where are we off? You know? So there's, there's a lot of things that I'm going to recommend when I'm talking to new moms, that's going to be a whole extra layer. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yes. And I feel like, like you said, anxiety just looks different depending on what stage of life we're in. It can look very different when our children are teenagers, which I am already feeling stressed about. Oh no, I don't want to feel stressed. That we're just so. My husband's a middle school music teacher, and we talk about we talk about TikTok and cell phones so much. We're like, we're not gonna be those parents that give them cell phones. And then John, my husband, was came home and he's like, well, now I don't know because this child in my class didn't know what TikTok was, and he's getting picked on. So we don't want to yeah. isolate our child either. So well, I have lots of opinions about that. So I'm happy to, we can talk about that. We'll have to do a whole separate episode okay. on just, yeah, because that is, that. that would be a great, that'd be a great topic. And I think a lot of new moms are thinking about that too. Like maybe we're like putting the cart before the horse a little bit in love, terms of love it. <laughs> but I think it's because it's so relevant because we're yeah. But anyway, um, we're getting off topic. Let me get back. Yeah. Let me dial it back in. So all of this, you mentioned the new mamas when we're pregnant, we're taking care of us means taking care of baby. When they come out, we get nap trapped. They sleep. We don't sleep. By the time they wake up, we can't sleep. We can't eat because we're feeding them. It's a whole cycle mm-hmm. in your new book, The Unflustered Mom. You discuss methods for getting unflustered and managing anxiety styles, which you uncovered that there are actually five anxiety styles. What are they? (laughs) Okay. So I call them the lover, the fighter, the executive, the visionary, and the dynamo. Y'all don't have to remember all those, but (laughs) it's so funny too, because when I was writing the book, I was calling them something different. And then I found myself, like when I was explaining it to people, I was just saying, okay, well, the lover mom is kind of like this and the dynamo. And I was like, well, those are way better names because it's so clear to me that that's that's what they are in my brain already. So I just changed the whole book and 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 changed the names. <laughs> I love it. Well, it, it gives us a little bit of visualization too, mm-hmm. which helps us remember the different styles. So do you mind walking through each yes. of them? And just yeah, a little- of course. So let me, I'll, I'll explain first too that Overall, in in the book, I go into detail on all of them in these different categories. So each of them has a different core driver, right? So something that's kind of at your core, what impels you most, what's most important to you. And so it's more like across your life, this is not just like this week, what's most important to you. This is kind of like a, a very foundational core driver. Each one has kind of contributors, contributing factors that may have led to that. Um, anxiety style. They have triggers. So what's most likely to trigger me as a dynamo mom might be different for you, Lena, if say you're a lover mom, right? And also the symptoms that show up, and I don't like to use that word. So the like the the challenges that come up, you know, for you are going to be different for me. And because of that, each one of them also has you know, strategies. And I like to go, I like to divide strategies up a little bit for into preventative strategies and in the moment strategies. Cause there's mm. things that you can do like kind of every morning fold into your morning or fold into your daily routine or fold into once a week, or I, even once a year, I have strategies for each of them. And then there's the like, oh my gosh, I just had, I just got into an argument. Like I'm so upset right now. Or I just read this really disturbing news story. I'm so anxious right now. Or I, you know, I just, you know, saw my neighbor and she's 
you know, she's mad at somebody and now I'm feeling all of her anxiety and it doesn't even have anything to do with me, you know? So what do we do in the moment? So I love um, neuro hacks. So some of these that I, and I can share some here with your audience, cause this might be like, it's cause they're super quick and they're really effective and you don't have to like get into, like, I, I'm a, obsessed with meditation and visualization and manifestation and all that stuff. And I love it. And I teach it and I talk about it all the time, but it does take time. And often as a new mom, like you, you, you know, it's hard to find that time and, and not have it interrupted. So I'm, I'll be happy to share some like neuro hacks as well. Some very simple things that people could do in the moment that help calm your nervous system so that you can, you know, function with a little bit more clarity and confidence as you, as you move forward. So that was just kind of like overall, like I want everybody to understand about the styles. And then do you want to pick one? I can say the five again, and then I'll go, I'll do a little bit of detail on each one. Let's start with the lover. Okay. So lover moms are very driven by their relationships with the people that they care about most in their life. So they want to feel loved, feel wanted, feel appreciated and feel belonging. Now you might say like, well, of course that's like human, right? Everybody, everybody wants that. Yes. And lover moms tend to take it one step further. So you might be a lover mom. If say you saw on social media that a bunch of your girlfriends or people from work got together last week, they took all these pictures at this restaurant. They're having margaritas. Everybody's having a blast and like nobody invited you. Now, most people would be a little disappointed, right? Say like, oh, that's a bummer. Like, or I'm kind of, my feelings are hurt. Lover moms will tend to take it and spiral with it. Oh my gosh, are they mad at me? They don't like me. Did I offend somebody? Did I do something wrong? They don't want to spend time with me. I think I, I think I heard somebody, you know, your brain will just start to spiral in that negativity, not based on any, anything. No fact. There's no fact there. It's just all overthinking and then it snowballs. Right. And so it did, in addition to like what triggers, you know, lovers differently from other people, like for instance, coming home to an empty house can be very triggering for Mm -hmm. lovers. Having somebody you care about cancel plans on you, show up late, you know, things like that. The other thing is that each of the anxiety styles has what I call like a life lesson, an underlying life lesson. So for lovers, it's, you know, how do I feel wanted and loved and belonging intrinsically from myself and not based on the words or actions of other people, you know, then our self-value goes up and down and all around, depending on how the people around us are treating us in that moment. Yep. When really that has nothing to do with your value. You are enough. You are amazing, regardless how the people around you are treating you. But it's hard for lovers, right? Because so much of our self-worth can be based on what we think others feel about us, right? What we like think about. So the other difference with lovers is they tend to make a lot of decisions from their from their gut or their heart instead of from their head, right? So like some of the other styles, executives and dynamos tend to function more um, from their head than from their gut. And they also tend to be in the present moment more or in the past even than focusing on the future. So those are some of the other um, differences. Any questions about the lover? No, fascinating though. It makes a lot of sense. And I feel like, I wonder if throughout our life, we can actually be all of these anxiety styles, but just in different stages, because I feel like I used to be a lover, but now I think I'm something else. So, okay, let's, well, let's move go on. Through them. Yeah. Let's yeah. go through them and see what, you know, what you think, because, you know, chances are that 
you know, you might have a, a close secondary one and you kind of like flip flop a little bit between two. I also want to say that each one of these has what I call superhero traits, really qualities that are incredible. So lovers are very dependable, very loyal, very trustworthy. They will. They are also very good readers of other people's moods. So if somebody's off, you'll know right away. Right. So you have these superhero qualities that we should celebrate and acknowledge and and also as a lover, acknowledge that not everybody has that skill. Yeah. Not everybody is able to do that. And that's okay. They have other skills, but this is a quality that you have that's that's wonderful and amazing. And it it may be unique to you in your circle. That makes a lot of sense. I know you mentioned the executive, the dynamo, mm-hmm. we have the lover. And then what are the other two? And then the fighter and the visionary. Visionary. Let's move on to, let's do fighter. So fighters are people who really identify themselves as survivors, um, as tough, as resilient, as protectors. So they tend to move toward conflict or challenge, or they see an unfairness, an injustice, a bullying situation. They will move toward it and get involved to protect, right? These are often people who, as children, didn't have that. They had to become their own protectors because for whatever reason, they did not feel safe and did not feel like they could depend on the people around them, their caretakers, to sufficiently care for their own emotional or physical needs. Obviously, like the lovers, this brings upon like some brings out some amazing traits, right? Like these are amazing, strong, fantastic people that care about others and and go and try to help people. However, where is it no longer serving them, right? Where is it, you know, too much? Where is it exhausting? They also tend to be very comfortable in the chaos, so comfortable in the chaos that when things are good, when things are calm and like easy, it can be very unsettling, very uncomfortable. And so sometimes these are people that find that they financially, right, have like windfalls and then have big financial problems, or they have relationships that are like amazing and wonderful and and then just like crash and burn and it goes over and over and over again. And so it can be exhausting. And, you know, one of the life lessons with fighters is how do I become more and more comfortable with ease, with joy with, you know, healthy environments and situations. And, you know, they're always going to like, like that challenge and like that fight. So all of these have characteristics that like, you're not going to change out of them, but how can I have the healthiest version of that possible? Right. So how can I be more purposeful of the challenges that I get myself into? Right. How can I make them a conscious choice instead of all of a sudden finding myself? Oh my gosh, my finances are messed up again. My car exploded again. My kids are fighting again. My, I'm, you know, like it's a, a lot of chaos. And even though they're more comfortable in the chaos, it can also be exhausting. They could be like, I'm done with this. Totally. That sounds exhausting for sure. (laughs) For anyone, even if you're, uh, even if that's all you know, that's exhausting. Let's talk about the executive. Okay. So executives seek to feel emotionally safe in their environment. That's their primary core driver. And they tend to do this by controlling, organizing, planning, looking ahead, you know, handling all the responsibilities. So they're very dependable, they're very organized, they know where everything is at. They're very protective of their, you know, their families. And so 
They tend to be in their heads and in the future more than kind of in the present moment. And so some of the strategies I have for for executives are practicing being playful and silly because people often don't your, your, you know, your loved ones and your children don't often maybe see that side of you. And it's good for you too, right? To kind of let go a little bit, do something that you're you don't know how to do, you know, try roller skating again. If you haven't roller skated for, for 15 years, you know, go jump on the trampoline, roll on the floor with your, you know, family dog, you know, get a little silly and um, that can help on a number of levels. So, you know, also with executives, I like to say, you know, check in with yourself. Are you maybe more emotionally safe than you used to be as a kid? Like maybe this came from you know, a situation where you you weren't really safe, you didn't feel safe um, because maybe you were moving a lot, or there was lots of marriages and divorces in your families, or whatever. And now everything's pretty stable and safe. But say you have a lover partner who comes home and says, "Oh my gosh, you're not going to believe it! Like I just got tickets to this. Like cancel our plans. We're like hopping in the car. Let's go." And the executive's like, "Hold up! Like we have soccer practice." I just like literally put dinner on the table. Like this kid has the sniffles. I don't know. Is it going to be cold there? What's happening? You know, like that can be a lot. Um, meanwhile, the lover is like, well, okay, great. Like she doesn't even want to spend time with me. She doesn't want to go to this thing. That's amazing. Oh, geez. Now I, right? see, the, I see the cycle. I see. You see it. I see the things happening. Yep. So there's mm-hmm. a whole chapter in the book where I, I really focus just on each combination So if you're a fighter and your partner's a lover, where are you going to be totally on the same page and be able to connect on? And where might you not align? And where can that understanding help give you a little bit more compassion for the other person and also not take things personally, right? Because you know, oh, okay, this has nothing to do with the fact that you don't want to spend time with me. It's the changing plans that's thrown you off. Okay. So if I give you like an hour to like rearrange our plans, da, 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 then you'll be excited to go. Oh yeah, totally. Okay. All right, cool. So a lot of it is just understanding ourselves and then understanding the other people in our lives so that we can elicit some more compassion for ourselves and for others and connect, like reconnect, right? Yes. And that's how we start to get unflustered. Yes. So it sounds like I feel like I have a lot of executive qualities. I think something that would really piss off executives is unannounced visits from yes. their in-laws. Yes. As an example. <laughs> That's a person like just pulling that out of nowhere. No basis making, in reality. No, just making it up. <laughs> right. Where a lover, that would feel so amazing, right? You just oh show God. up at my door to help. And you bought groceries and you like made all the plans for the weekend for us to spend every moment together. Amazing. You must really love me. (laughs) Oh, my God. I'm dying right now. I'm dying. My mother-in-law is definitely a lover and I am the executive. So I think we drive each other nuts. I think that's so get her the book. Get me the audible. Get her the book. (laughs) And then and then just talk about it. Or you can say like, or you, or you can just show up and say, oh my gosh, I know this is important to you. And I love, you know, I really enjoy spending time with you. So one of the things I'll say is like, so say you're an executive and you're coming home late from work, right? And you text and you just say like to your lover partner or your lover mother-in-law, oh, I'm going to be late. I'll be home like at eight or whatever. That's going to feel really hurtful, right? To mm-hmm. the lover. 
not only because they're disappointed, but because now their brain is spiraling. Lena doesn't like me. She's not happy that I'm here. She doesn't want to be around me. She wishes I would leave. She's frustrated that I can't, whatever, your brain is, is flowing. So if you're able to then say, instead, I, I often suggest that anybody communicating with a lover or something that they might find difficult, you can add two things. One, you give a little bit more detail. So you'll say, mm. I recorded four episodes like literally in the last two days, I have to edit them so that if if I stay a little bit later and I edit all of these things, then when I come home, I can be totally present. And then why don't we go out to dinner instead? And we go to one of my favorite restaurants I think you'll love. So that's the second part is tell them how you plan to connect in the future. Wow. Then in their minds, they know, oh, okay, I get it. And then when you get home, it's like, oh my gosh, Lena, how did the editing go? Did you get it done? You know, was it good? Are you happy with it? What's this restaurant like? Instead of like, oh, you know, she didn't really want to hang with us. Yep. This is (laughs) like on point. Okay. Let's talk about Dynamo. Who are you a Dynamo? Is that I am a Dynamo? Okay. Let's hear it. (laughs) I am a Dynamo. So Dynamos are very, very achievement oriented. So what drives Dynamos is the need to feel respected, feel appreciated, and feel like their achievements are acknowledged. Uh, And the tricky thing with dynamos is, you know, while that's a a character trait that's very well, um, what do you say, like promoted in our society, right? Like, oh, you did Mm. a lot of things. That's amazing. You're so busy, right? Like in a a disturbing way, it's celebrated. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, To the point of unhealthy often, right? So, so it's a tough one to get out of because you're, you receive all of these accolades, right. From the environment when you get a lot of stuff done. So there's part of you that just inherently enjoys doing it. And part of you that could benefit from slowing down a little bit, acknowledging and celebrating what you just accomplished instead of immediately going on to accomplish the next thing, which is a common trait for dynamos. Um, and also, um, so slowing down, getting present, getting quiet being in the moment more instead of in your head in the future, right? So I'll say like dynamos will be like on a vacation. It'd be like in our heads planning the next vacation. And I'd be like, I'm on vacation now. I'm on a beach now. I'm going to enjoy this. I mean, I have to remind myself to be present because I'm up here in my head and in the future, which is far away from the present moment. And you know, probably like physiologically, that's not good for your system either, right? Because it's, you've got adrenaline going and cortisol going. And so the kind of the underlying life lesson for dynamos is understanding you're enough. You're already enough. You've already done it. Your value is not associated with what you accomplish. You are already valuable. You don't have to accomplish the next thing to prove your value or your worth. You will still continue to accomplish because that brings you joy, but do it from joy, Mm -hmm. not from striving to prove that you're worth it. Right. Yeah. Because that sounds like it could be a black hole where it doesn't matter like what you achieve. And I feel like we see I feel like I've heard interviews too with like top actors and actresses and business owners where they've achieved so much and then they just feel empty. It's like they never are never fulfilled. So that's. Yeah. Or they're waiting for that one person to say, I'm so proud of you. You're amazing. And that person doesn't have the capacity to say that. Yes. For whatever, you know, we can go into how, why is the whole other thing. (laughs) Right. 
Hey everyone, it's your host, Lena Forrestal, taking a quick break from this podcast episode to ask you to support the show. I do this show because I love it. And as a self-funded creator, your support can help me pay for things like podcast hosting and an editor. So here's how you can help. Share this episode with a mom friend, caretaker, or soon-to-be mom friend. Leave a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And if you wanted to throw me some coins, you can donate to the show at buymeacoffee.com slash newmamaspodcast. Any little bit helps, and I appreciate your support. Finally, give me a follow on Instagram at Lena Forrestal. I love meeting my listeners, so definitely send me a DM and introduce yourself. Now, let's get back to the show. Last one, the visionary, the visionary. Okay. So like is obvious from the title, visionaries are focused on their long-term goals, a long-term big dream project goal impact. They want to make in the world. They feel this like really intense kind of, I meant like I'm meant here to be here to do something really big. So anxiety can come for visionaries when they feel like, they, they have this urge, but they don't know what that is yet. They don't know what it looks like. Or they have the urge and they just had a baby and they have no space or time to devote to even thinking about it or dreaming about it, right? Or they they have the urge, they know what it is, but they don't, you know, they see other people doing what they want to be doing and they're not there yet and they feel behind, right? They feel like they're already, you know, behind and nobody's behind, right? Like who says where you're supposed to be at what given point in your life? Oh gosh. I mean, we see that all the time. Like by 30, you should be married with a child and right. own a house. And I'm like, right, I, don't, right. I don't know. It's very few people these days. Right, right, right. But yes. yeah. And none of those, none of those expectations, I don't want to say none because I don't like extremes, but like uh, almost none of those ep- expectations are helpful no. to us. No. And they don't age well either because I feel like the world just looks so, I feel like maybe that was the expectation 20 years ago when the world yeah. just looked really different. And now the world just looks different. So exactly. Very good. Okay. So wait, did you have any personal experience with anxiety that led you to these conclusions? So what what happened for me personally was, you know, I'm a little bit of an empath, which means, you know, I kind of take on energy around me. So at the beginning of, you know, in March of 2020, when the world was really kind of in a in a chaotic turmoil of a lot of fear and a lot of anger, you know, like so many people, it really hit me. And I just kept thinking, man, if if we're all just scared, we're all really scared and that's okay, but we're scared of different things. And because we're scared of different things, this is how my mind looked at it. We're missing an opportunity to find compassion for one another. And when we cannot Mm -hmm. have compassion for one another, then communication is breaking down. And when communication breaks down, you know, and on and on and on, we can't find solutions and come together if we can't even communicate. So for me, this framework was my my attempt to have people understand themselves better so that they could have more compassion for themselves and then understand the other people that they were like, I don't get what any of you, how, why you're reacting this way. I don't get it. And not only do I not get it, but it makes me question our entire friendship, our entire relationship, because how could you believe this, say that, vote this way, whatever. And now I'm questioning everything about you 
everything about you that I thought I knew and loved, which is scary, right? Because you were one of my closest friends or you're my sister-in-law or whatever. And so I thought, you know, if we could understand ourselves in such a way that facilitated compassion for each other, then we could communicate more effectively and improve our relationships and solve the bigger problems on the planet um, that we have to solve. So to me, it was uh, a way of of doing that, starting with compassion, then understanding, then communication, then solving all the world's problems. That's it. <laughs> Just that. Just um, that. <laughs> I What I love about these anxiety styles is, and maybe, I don't know, it sounds like this was intentional, is that you can think about the relationships around you and think about where which bucket or buckets that they tend to fall into mm-hmm. and then understand that what they do isn't spiteful or isn't because they don't care about you. Like yeah. it's actually because they need different things than you need. And I know that sounds really simple and like, duh, but you forget that you because do. I know my mother-in-law would love if we showed up unannounced. I would never dream in a thousand right. years to ever show up to someone's house unannounced, yeah. but they would love it. Can How I tell funny. you a side thing that's so funny? Because also yes. generationally, there's somebody on Instagram who does these little things. This I think it's an English guy. And he says like, how boomers show up at your house? How Generation <laughs> X? And he says, boomers will show up at your house at 7 a.m., open the door and be like, hey, Lena, I'm here. And then it's like Gen Gen X will be like text you, hey Lena, I'm gonna, I'm, st- <laughs> is it cool if I still come over Saturday at eight? Like, is that still good for you? And then it said millennials will show up at your door and uh, text, hey Lena, I'm here from your door. And then whatever the next one is, I forget what is it, Gen, Gen Z, yeah, Gen Z will just take a selfie from their car in front of your house to say they're there. (laughs) I was like, oh my gosh, that's hilarious. That is so accurate. Oh yeah, my mother-in-law, bless, has walked into my house unannounced, gone gone upstairs unannounced, saw me butt-ass naked. Oh, But everything, out, all of it. My first meeting with my mother-in-law who has passed on, my very first time meeting her, we were, I went on like a family vacation and Jamie and I got there after like everybody was already in bed, but it was like one of these things where there were different rooms. So like there, it wasn't like a hotel. It was like a big house. Uh, like kind a, of. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was naked in bed. She walked oh, no. in and sat on the edge of the bed and was like, Amber, it's so nice to meet you. And I was like, what now? <laughs> like, I'm, What is happening? I'm crying. Oh my God. Yeah. Oh so you can God. relate. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah, she didn't really see too. Then she just texted me like, ha ha, oopsie, or something like that. And I was like, you're like, there we go. I'm like, this is like, I'm not, I can't even be upset anymore because it's just at this point, it's comical. We've gone too far. Right, right. Now it just makes good stories for your now, podcast. Yes. <laughs> Let's talk about postpartum anxiety. Okay. How I know I feel like that's a very complicated subject and I don't know if that really if that fits in the unflustered mom or not but how would you define that in the five anxiety styles if it's you know, even possible to do that It's a good question. I don't know that it's necessarily applicable in the sense that you know postpartum to me it means that it's it's something you that's been elicited by that the big transition and trauma that your body has just gone through mm-hmm. and so because of that, you know, 
I just separately from the anxiety styles, I mean, all of the stuff from the anxiety styles, like you had mentioned earlier, is going to serve. It's going to be part of that toolbox that's going to serve and support you in maneuvering through just the day in and day out, reducing your cortisol levels, easing your adrenaline, helping you be able to sleep at night, helping you be able to get into gratitude a little bit more, improving your relationships with others. All of those things are going to help. However, you know, if you're finding that your levels of anxiety are affecting, you know, how you eat, how you sleep, how you interact with people, um, and it's going to look different for everybody, right? Some people might throw themselves into their work, not sleep, not be eating right. Other people cut themselves off from everybody and wait till everybody goes to bed and then they like attack the fridge, you know, and eat everything they can. Like, you know, everybody deals with it a little bit differently. So if you see big changes like that, that's when you reach out to your healthcare providers too. And if your healthcare providers like aren't tuning into it, oh yeah, everybody feels that way. I mean, they should not react that way, but there are some that, you know, are just not going to take it as seriously as they could. So really talk until somebody listens and you feel they're really hearing you. Agreed. Agreed, agreed, agreed. And if, and I've had that experience too, of talking to a provider that I think she heard me, but because I don't, she just said, she just held my hands and said, I don't want you to worry about it. And that's, you're like, I don't want me to worry about it either, but it's happening. (laughs) Right. The next step would have been for her to refer me to behavioral health, to help me find a therapist or just give me one action step. Would you like to explore medic anything? So I think, yes, don't be afraid to keep talking until someone listens and someone comes and helps you out. Yeah. So then you mentioned neurohacks mm-hmm. at the beginning oh, yeah. of the call. Let's kind of, th- in our remaining time left, can you okay. give us a few like practical neurohacks? Yes. Oh, these are, yeah, these are some of my favorites for this group. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm looking down at my desk and I see one right here. Um, so this is a pack of gum. Mm. Um, when you're chewing gum um, or mints even, but mainly gum. So your body is chewing, which your brain thinks because in the past there was no gum, right? When we were all cavemen. <laughs> Um, and women. So your brain thinks that you're eating. And if you're eating, then that means you're not being chased by anything that's going to possibly eat you, right? You're not in fight or flight. Wow. Your body is safe to eat. Okay. So what that tells your brain then is, okay, okay, we can, we can let the blood go back from your extremities to your central, you know, to your organs, to your brain. We can slow your heart rate and your respiration we can, you know, so it's, it's a way of tricking your brain into saying, oh, you're safe. You're safe right now because you're eating. And Mm -hmm. obviously you could just eat, but to me, it's gum is a nice way to do that. Now, if you're literally like chomping, like all angrily and anxiously, like that's not going to help you. But if you're just chewing gum, that's a very simple hack. So like, I always have gum in my backpack, in my bag, but you can have it in the diaper bag. And on my desk. That's brilliant. I've never heard that before. I love it. So that's a simple one. Another one that I really love is a cross lateral movement. So, and with newborns, Mm. you probably hear about this a lot, right? Brain development, anything where your body, uh, where your like hands or feet cross the midlines of your body helps facilitate the communication between your right and left hemispheres. And when that happens, then your brain, basically, your brain waves are working more cohesively and less, you know, messed up and jumbled everywhere. And (gasps) I've never heard that before. Okay. Yeah. 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 
So you can look up cross lateral movements. There's a bunch of different ones. The simplest one that I can um, demonstrate while sitting is you take one hand. So take your left hand and put it flat like a pancake. And then you take your right hand like a chopping block and you're going to hit right across, like right across your palm. Yeah, exactly like that. And you're going to move the top hand and then you're going to switch hands. So you're going to do it six times, hit it six times as quickly as possible. And then switch. So you're going to go one, two, three, four, five, six, one, two, three, four, five, six, one, two, three, four, five, six. So here's the goal. You want to do it as quickly as you can still hitting it six times each and breathe. So most people that takes all your concentration. So all your focus is on that makes it very difficult to keep ruminating on whatever anxious worry you just had. Okay. Mm -hmm. The second thing it does is that, like I said, it facilitates that communication. It makes your brain waves communicate back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Um, and that will help settle you so that all of a sudden you find yourself and it only takes about 30 seconds, Lena. It's not, it's pretty quick. Like I had somebody once say, well, how long should we do it? And I was like, I've never even had to count because you can tell when it works, like kind of the anxious moment has passed. You still remember, obviously it's not like, you know, hypnosis, but all of a sudden it's not as triggering emotionally as it was on the outset. So doing that can really help. And these things help when you're like, you know, sometimes when you're in an anxious spiral, you know, doing a meditation or doing a gratitude practice or doing journaling sometimes helps and sometimes it it doesn't help very much. So that's why I like um, neurohacks and there's like a bunch of them, but those are two, two of my favorites that are super simple. I love that. I'm going to steal the cross lateral one for the plane. Because yeah. some people say use the uh, it's like put your thumb on your thing. Have you seen mm -hmm. this one where you go you like kinda, this? Yeah. Yeah. But it doesn't it's it's not so what doing I, it for me. So what I would recommend is um, making it a cross lateral version mm -hmm. of that. So do you can do something that's very you know detailed that takes your concentration, but you want it to move um, you know, cross the midline of your body. Yes. OK, I love that. Amber, tell us all about your book and where to buy it and yes. what we should know about it. Okay. So it's called The Unflustered Mom. It is available on everywhere, everywhere that you can buy a book, barnesandnoble.com, um, target.com, uh, indigobooks.com, bookshop.org, of course, Amazon. It is also on Audible. So you can listen to it while you're walking, while you're doing dinner. I highly recommend for new moms who don't have a lot of time. You know, I used to put in ear earpods and listen to audible books. And I found that, you know, for just for my emotional well-being, instead of like listening to the radio or because I, I love music, but it's hard for me to find because I'm not good at like making my own playlist songs that I really like. So then I end up listening to a bunch of stuff that I don't really like. Yes. <laughs> and, um, or like scrolling if you're scrolling and if you find yourself doing stuff and it's not feeling good, like listen to an audible book that's either either you're learning something uplifting or it's funny, you know, or it's entertaining in a different way that kind of lights you up, that intrigues you and either distracts you or um, or you're learning something from it. Agreed. Yeah. So, oh, back to the so the book is available anywhere. The other thing is, and it comes out June uh, 6th, so it will probably be out by the time that y'all are hearing this now. So it's out. And if you go to my website, I've created like special guided meditations for each anxiety style. Ooh, I yes. am 
pumped about that. That's cool. Yeah. So if you go to ambertrueblood.com and you click on like you, whatever you say, where you bought the book and then you, it's just like a drop down. And then you say, okay, I'm a lover mom or I'm a dynamo mom or I'm an executive mom. And if you want the resources for two of them, then just do it again for the other one. Uh, And then in your inbox, you'll get a guided meditation for that specific anxiety style, a guided mantra, audible, like audio file for that particular anxiety style. And then for new moms, this is very valuable. I have my my nine sleep tips that are like very, they're very simple. Like each one is like, um, like I can't, I don't want to go into the whole detail, but it's like my top, like here are the nine things. And I'm not saying add all nine tonight, but like look through them. And if you're like, oh, this one, like that, I should probably do that one. Then just add that one. Just add one of those. Does that make sense? Yes. That is awesome. For anyone struggling to meditate or a lot of people don't even try because it sounds intimidating. Yeah. A guided meditation is bomb. It is so good. <laughs> check it out. I'm I want to check out your guided ones for my specific type. That would be really Yeah. Cool. Definitely. Go and you can do it now. You don't have to like I mean order the book, but you don't have to like have the book or know anything about the book to to benefit from the guided meditation. So just if you take the quiz at flourishquiz.com and then you go there, then you can, you know, you can use the meditation right away. That is so cool. Amber, thank you so much for being here thank today. You, Where can everybody connect with you? So on the social media, I am at official Amber Trueblood on Instagram. That's the main place, really. And I mean, and I have a I have a Facebook group. I have a Facebook community Uh, right now. It's called the launch team um, for the unflustered mom. But it will be it will become it'll morph into the community, the, the unflustered mom community once the book is is live. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, that's cool. I'll make sure I include everything in the show notes. Everyone, thanks for listening and check out Amber's book. I can't wait to check it out. I feel like it would make a really good gift too. I know a couple of my dear friends who are flustered and I feel like it, this might help them. Yeah. I love gifting definitely. books. And books I are am, so nice. Next month, my big thing is, you know, anybody that has a book club that they think they want to bring this to their book club, I'm going to offer um, to pop in for a virtual like Q&A to people. That is clubs. so cute. I love I that. Yes. Everyone listening here. You hear that? You heard it here you first. Hear first. <laughs> Everyone, thanks for listening and catch us back next week for the next episode. Bye. Thanks for joining us this week on the New Mamas podcast. This podcast was created to help first-time moms everywhere navigate this new stage of life and talk about the honest and the raw moments in motherhood. I'm your host, Lena Forrestal. I'm a working mom by day and a blogger, photographer, and podcaster by mid-afternoon. And as a first-time mom myself, I'm on this journey with you. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. And if you did, be sure to subscribe and leave a review on your favorite listening platform. You can donate to the show at buymeacoffee.com slash newmamaspodcast. Stay in touch by following us on Instagram at newmamaspodcast and Lena Forrestal. Thanks again and stay tuned next week for the next episode. Bye.